0: Amen. Will it be my joy if you would join me in Luke 24? Luke 24, it's a beautiful sound today to hear of uh, the men and women and and young children, people who are singing and thinking about and rejoicing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We read this in this is in Luke chapter 24. For this whole semester, we've been walking towards the cross. We've been walking towards This moment, earlier on in this semester, we saw Jesus ride into town on a donkey and they were shouting and celebrating, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But since that day, it's kind of been downhill since then. It's been downhill since then, since Jesus was betrayed by his closest friends, since he was arrested In the garden, late Thursday night, since since Friday when he was put on trial early in the morning before Herod and Pilate, beaten, flogged, and then nailed to a sinner's cross. Seems like it's been downhill since then. It seems like the devil, the enemy, had had his way, but we'll see this morning in Luke chapter 24, that this is actually the moment we've been waiting for. The moment that all eternity hinges on. We read this in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the the stone rolled away from the tomb. and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women who with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to be an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and we he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray together. Lord, we, Lord, we come here today to, to think about, yes, the, the cross of Jesus Christ, where Christ shed his perfect and precious blood for us. And Lord, to think about how he went to the tomb and was laid in the tomb. But Lord, even more than that, Lord, we want to think about the glorious resurrection of Jesus. Lord, we've come this morning to see and to behold that the tomb is empty, that He is not here, that He is risen. Lord, we come to be gathered to be like Peter, that as we look at the empty tomb and see our risen King Lord, that we would go home today marveling, marveling not just at the fact that Jesus died and rose again, but at the truth that we too can be alive in him. So Lord, would you do this today for your great glory and for our joy? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you ever played the game, what if? If you're like me, you probably play it all the time. I probably played it this morning. I play it on a daily basis. Our hearts get full of wonder, excitement. Maybe our hearts have expectations of something, and we start to play the game. What what if this was to happen to us? What if this was to happen in our family? What if that happened to us? Our hearts, a lot of times, stay not in the realm of reality, but they stay in the realm of possibilities. Like, like what if one day we were able to, to go to Hawaii? What if one day I could visit the island of Fiji? What would that be like? What if I could start a business and, and make it onto Shark Tank in front of Mr. Wonderful? Wonderful. What if, what if our kids grew up to do something amazing like played in the NBA or, or went to Harvard or got to be missionaries? What if Kentucky won a national championship again? Like we, we can all dream, right? What if my future spouse is in this room right now and I haven't met them yet? Everybody's looking around. However, when we come to the resurrection of Jesus, we're not playing the game of what if. When we come to the resurrection, our hearts are not filled with merely possibilities. Like our hearts should not be asking the question today what if Jesus really rose from the grave? The reality of the resurrection is not a question of what if, it's a question of what now. What now? All our hearts should be asking this morning, what do we do now that Jesus really did die on the cross for our sins? What what do we do now that Jesus really rose from the grave, defeating sin and death forever? What do we do now that Jesus is reigning now at the right hand of God and will one day return again because Luke 24 records for us the reality of what happened not the possibility the reality of what God's holy word says to us this morning did you hear what it said it said on the first day of the week early sunday before the sun came up a group of women rose rose early to go to the tomb of Jesus They went as early as possible because they had paused the preparation of Jesus' body because it was the Sabbath. And they could do nothing on Saturday. And get this, when they went to the tomb that day, they were fully expecting to see Jesus that day, lying lifeless in the tomb. They were fully expecting to continue to weep. To continue to mourn at the tomb of their dear friend. That they were fully expecting to use those spices in their hands to prepare his lifeless body for a long-term stay there in Jerusalem. There were zero expectations of what they were going to find that day. Zero questions on the road to the tomb asking, what if he's alive when we get there? They weren't thinking that way. Yet we come to verse 2 and 3, to this reality that when they come to the tomb, it says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. He was not there. Praise the Lord this morning that the resurrection is not just a great possibility this morning. Wouldn't that be a hopeless morning? How much less excited would you have been to wake up this morning if Jesus being out of the grave was a possibility? It's not a great possibility this morning. No, this is our present reality. Not just the reality of Jesus that He's alive, but if you're in Jesus, your sin has been put to death and you are now alive in Him. So this morning, we're not asking the question, what if Jesus really rose again? Today we gather to say, what now? What do we do now that the Lord Jesus really died for our sins? Now that He really rose again? The first thing I think, we need to do is remember and rest in the risen king remember and rest in the risen king did you notice these women they start wrestling at first with what this means that the tomb is empty the body being gone it says there that the word is they're perplexed they're puzzled why did this happen what does this mean and i'm sure their hearts were filled with a bit of anxiety confusion And yet right there in the midst of their confusion, the Bible says, behold. It draws our attention to two men, two angels who stand before them, it says, in dazzling apparel. And they respond like most people in the Bible. When, When they see angels, they're afraid. They're afraid. They fall down in awe. They bow down before them. And the angels who know they're afraid, don't want to leave them in their fear, but fill them with hope. And they say this, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Or as the message says, why are you looking for the living in a cemetery? The heavenly angels always show up in the most unlikely places to the most unlikely people, don't they? Think about this, if we were to go back in Luke chapter 2, at the beginning of the gospel of Luke that we've been walking through, the angels show up to the lowly shepherds, some of the lowest people in society, forgotten by everybody else, and out there in the middle of the field, the angels bring good news of great joy, that a Savior has been born in Bethlehem, who is Christ the Lord. Well, here the angels show up to the last people we think that they would. A group of lowly women who, who in that society, they would have been the last seen, the, the least heard in society, and yet the angels come to them first. Bringing good news of great joy, not that a Savior's been born in Bethlehem, but good news of great joy that He's not here he has risen. Jesus is alive. And the the angels remind these women, they say, remember what Jesus promised that he would do. Remember what he promised he would do. Look at verse six and seven. He says, they say, he is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. They didn't understand it at the time, but he's recalling their minds. Back back to Galilee, when they were walking with Jesus. And if you look back in chapter 9, twice in chapter 9 and once in chapter 18, Jesus explicitly talks about what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He says clearly, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be delivered over to sinful men. And I'm going to be crucified on a cross and on the third day I will rise. Three times He told them this. And now just minutes after Jesus' heart started beating again. The angels say to the women, Remember. Remember. R- remember. what Jesus said He would do, and that's exactly what He's done. And the Bible says that they remember His words. In that moment, they remember what Jesus had said. And so this morning, the the Word of God is telling us, Christ Fellowship, telling us that we too need to remember and rest not only in what Jesus said He would do, but what He has done. We must remember the Gospel. We must remember the Gospel because we're a bunch of forgetful people. Forgetful people that have spiritual amnesia. Forgetful people that I know before tomorrow morning, I will already forget that there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. That Jesus is alive. Remember Paul tells the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, he tells a bunch of forgetful Christians there, he says, for I've delivered to you as of first importance, what I also re- received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Christ's Fellowship, we, we can forget a lot of things, can't we? We do forget a lot of things. Most weeks we forget a lot of important things, but we must not forget the Gospel. We cannot forget what Jesus said He would do and what He has done. What He has done. We must say to one another every week, not just on Sunday morning, not just in the songs we say, but we have to say again and again, day after day, remember that Christ has died. Remember that Christ has risen and remember that Christ is coming again. I mean, Martin Luther said, this is how I want to live my life. I want to live like Christ died yesterday, rose again in the mor- this morning, and is coming again tomorrow. That's how we need to live our lives. Like Christ died yesterday, rose again this morning, and we're going to see Him tomorrow. We need to, to remember the gospel. Yes, this morning on Easter, but I'm going to re- need to remember... Tomorrow, I need to wake up tomorrow and pinch myself saying, this is not a dream. Jesus is really alive. It's not a cute Christian story that we sing about in the South. No, Jesus is alive. It's not a great possibility for our lives. This is my reality if I'm in Christ, and your reality if you're in Christ. Listen, church, How you experience rest in your life is directly linked to how you remember the gospel. I'll say it again. How you experience rest in your life is directly linked to how you remember the gospel. I mean, if you think about it, we spend so much time thinking about what we're doing, don't we? We spend so much of our day thinking about what we're doing. Thinking about what we should be doing. Feeling shame about what we have done. Wondering if we have done enough. Asking, could I do more? But so little time thinking about what Jesus has done. So little time thinking about what Jesus has done And we should not be consumed with ourselves. We should be consumed with Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you continually return to the cross day after day, continually remember the empty tomb, if you were to think less about what you're doing and more about what Christ has done, you will have rest. That's a big promise that I'm giving you. But if you would think less about what you're doing and think more about what Christ has already done for you, you will have rest. I'm not promising your schedule's going to get easier. So don't go out here saying I promise that. I'm not promising that you'll have a less busy life. I'm promising that you'll have a less busy heart. You'll have a less busy heart when you remember the gospel when you remember that jesus died for you and he rose again for you so this morning let me ask you are you feeling frantic like are you, is your heart feeling restless are you feeling weary are, would you say i'm hopeless this morning would would you say you're, you're heavy this morning? The first question you, you need to ask yourself is not what do I need to do? It's what has Jesus already done? Are you forgetting the Gospel? Are you forgetting the empty tomb? Because we have a gentle and lowly Savior who really died and who really rose from the dead who doesn't come to you this morning and says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you something to do. No, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I will give you rest for your soul. I'll give you rest from your restless heart and work so that you can remember and rest in me. So what now? What do we do? First, remember and rest in the risen King. Second, run and see the risen King. Run and see your risen Savior. The, the, one, the women, they, they get to see it with their own eyes. They get to grasp this reality. They go in, they look inside the tomb, and they see that there's linen cloths in there, but, but Jesus is not there. The tomb is empty. So the women, it says, return from the tomb and they go to the apostles, they go to the disciples to tell them what they've seen and what they've heard. It says they go to the 11, which means the 12 minus Judas, to tell them that Jesus is alive. Did you notice, though, the majority of the disciples how they responded to these women? It says that they they seem like it was an idle tale in verse 11. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. The language is saying that they they thought this was nonsense. It seemed like nonsense. Literally, it's like they, they thought they were crazy. They thought they were insane. They could not imagine that someone who was crucified on Friday could could rise on Sunday? Which when you really think what we're talking about, it is astonishing. It is hard to believe. But it's helpful when you think about it because most scholars today look at people two centuries ago and they think, well, they were just naive. They were just so gullible They're they're so less educated than us superior, enlightened, 21st century folk who who have it all together. We We would not have fallen for that. That's what the academic, scholarly world wants to tell you. But did you see here, they must have been convinced too. They had to be convinced. They wanted to see with their eyes. Thomas wanted to touch with his hands. They didn't believe it easily at first. But look at what Peter does. Notice what happens in the heart of the one who denied Jesus. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. While everybody else, all the other disciples wanted to doubt, Their story. wanted to question their story. They thought they were crazy. Peter doesn't roll his eyes at the women. Peter runs to see for himself. He runs to see the empty tomb. He wants to see the risen King. The story was not foolish talk, an, an idle talk, but it filled Peter with faith. He remembered what Jesus had said. And he went home marveling at the empty tomb. Brothers and sisters, this morning, we must run and see the risen King. That should be your heart. Not to to doubt or to question or to think it's crazy, but like Peter, to get up and run to see Jesus. To run and to see yours for yourself that Jesus, yes, he died on the cross for your sins, but he is not dead, he is alive. To behold, he's not here, he is risen indeed. Christ fellowship. Did you did you know? Did you know that the, the tomb is still empty today? You ever think about that? Did you know the tomb is still empty? This is the present reality in Jerusalem. This morning, there is no grave with Jesus' body in it. There's no gravestone with His name on it. Did you know right now that if we could open up the curtain of heaven, we would see Jesus right now in heaven at the right hand of God, reigning victoriously, risen and alive. And did you know that that the resurrected king, if we could behold him in heaven right now, still has a hole in his side, still has scars prints on his hands? How do you know? Because, well, the disciples saw the resurrected king. And Thomas got to touch the scars. These aren't scars that Jesus is ashamed of. This isn't scars that all heaven wants to hide. It might sound silly, but Jesus is not up there covering his scars in heaven, not wanting anybody to see them. No, they're signs of victory. They're signs that sin and death are no more because I am now risen and alive. We sang the words earlier from an old hymn, crown him with many crowns. Unfortunately, we changed an important word in that hymn, because here's what the original version says. It says, crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands and side, rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. Rich wounds. Rich wounds visible in heaven right now. That's a strange word, right? For wounds to be rich. But these are rich wounds. Beautiful wounds that we celebrate today. Not simply because Jesus died, but because He is alive. He reigns now in heaven, in victory over sin and death for us to marvel at Him together. Like in a second, we're going to come to the Lord's Supper table like we do every Sunday morning. And when we come to the Lord's Supper table, it's not the moment where we scrunch up our faces and feel sorry for Jesus because He's dead. No, we come to the table to celebrate that Jesus is alive. Jesus is not dead. His wounds are beautiful. They're rich. The unsearchable riches of all that Christ has done for us. We come to celebrate these rich wounds that are beautiful. His risen life that's victorious. You know, back in the 80s and the 90s, Christian songs were okay, you know. I don't know if anybody's from back in that era. I'm really old. showing my age now. But back in the 80s and 90s, man, they had these songs that would pull at your heartstrings. The sad part is I don't, they weren't always pulled from the Bible. I don't think so. Because there was this old song that said this, does he still feel the nails? Every time I fail. Can you hear the crowd? Can he he right now hear the crowd say crucify again? The answer is no. He doesn't feel the nails. Jesus is reigning victorious over sin and death. He feels victorious. All of heaven is saying worthy is the lamb rejoicing in the risen king. He doesn't feel the nails when you sin. No, He's wanting you to turn and to look. He's alive. There's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this morning, run again to behold the empty tomb. Run to behold the Savior who is risen indeed. Listen to Paul in Colossians 3. It says, If then... You have been raised with Christ. That's our what now question, right? If you've been raised with Christ, what do you do? Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is who is your life appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. That's what now. Run, run and see your risen Savior. Finally, run and tell about the risen King. Run and tell about the risen King. The women, did you notice, this was not news when they looked in the empty tomb to keep to themselves. They didn't go and run to McDonald's or Starbucks. They went straight To the disciples to see them, to tell them about what they've seen and what they heard. And we see in the the Bible that when the disciples slowly grasp the reality of the resurrection, they do the same thing. They do the exact same thing. When they grasp the truth that Jesus is alive, they're telling people that want to beat them, that want to kill them, you know what? We can't help but speak. Of what we have seen and what we've heard. And we've been with Jesus. We've ate fish with Jesus. We can't help but tell you that He is alive. This is the natural reaction for all of us who grasp the reality of the resurrection. Who no longer see it as a possibility, but grasp that this is the reality. When you see the empty tomb once you see the risen king you can't help but tell other people that he's alive not just that he died for their sins but that he is alive again and they can have forgiveness and life eternal with him you know to me the, the springtime is really the most wonderful time of the year it's not christmas sorry The springtime is the most wonderful time of the year. As the kids say these days, the springtime slays. It's great. And mostly, mostly it's because this time of the year, we think about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But I really love everything about the spring. I love the weather in the spring. I love March Madness, especially when Kentucky's still playing. That would have been great. I love the Masters. That's what I'm going to do this afternoon. Anybody else going to sit around and watch golf today? Yeah. However, there's another reason that I like spring. This is a safe place, right? A safe place to confess something. I love American Idol. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I have to tell you. This is like honest confession time. I don't just love American Idol. Like I watch... YouTube videos that review and critique the last episode. Like, if you want to get up now, we'll pause, just so you can, you can, get, no. A wife's like, I don't, can't, I can't believe you're telling people this. But it's a safe place, right? But, but telling someone you still watch American Idol, that you watch reviews, critiques of American Idol is even worse. That seems like something to be ashamed of, something you might want to hide, Right? Listen, you don't have to be ashamed of someone dying for your sins. You don't have to be ashamed that Jesus would rise again for you. You don't have to be ashamed of of all your sin and all your shame being taken away forever. You don't have to be ashamed that you're clean, that you're pure, that you're standing right now before the Lord Forgiven if you're in Jesus, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. You don't have to be ashamed that you were once dead, but now you're finally alive like never before. The women that day were not ashamed. The the disciples would soon be unashamed. And we, if we are in Jesus Christ, should be unashamed today that we were dead, but now we're alive. Paul tells the church at Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. See, the good news of the gospel is when Jesus died, your sins were put to death. The the good news of the gospel is that when Jesus rose from the grave, you really rose from the grave if you are in Him. You are a now alive in Him. And, and maybe this morning, you can't say that that's true of you. Because you never turn from your sins. You, you haven't turned from the sins you're clinging to and ran to trust in a risen Savior. But this morning, if you would turn from your sins and run to see an empty tomb and to behold a risen Savior, that too could be true of you. That could be your story today that you were once dead. But now you're alive because you know Jesus. Oh, something this powerful, something this freeing, something this saving is not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to keep to yourself. Now, if if the resurrection is a possibility, then by all means, don't change anything. Like, if it's merely a possibility, then don't do anything different. Go go live for your job. Go live just to make money. Go live for a vacation. Go live for your hobby. Go live for things in this world, for your team, whatever. Go live for that if the resurrection is a possibility. But if the resurrection is a reality, then everything changes. Everything must be rearranged around the resurrection. What we need more than anything today is a church that's unashamed of the gospel. As the world around us is unashamed about what they live for and what they boast about and what they talk about, we need the church of Jesus Christ to be unashamed that Jesus died for our sins and He rose again. Our kids need us unashamed. They need mom and dad to be unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed that Jesus really did rise again so that we sing about it in our kitchens. We, we talk about it in our minivans. We retell the story, the good news at our bedtimes. We rearrange our schedules around the reality. Our neighbors need us unashamed, where we talk about Jesus in our driveways, where we talk about Jesus in this neighborhood, where we love Jesus so much that our streets are lined with cars and and minivans from people in the church, because there are people who love Jesus gathered around our tables. The, The only explanation that Jesus is alive. Our friends and family need us unashamed. As much as they're unashamed about their jobs, as much as they're unashamed about their sin or their money, or unashamed about their hobbies, or unashamed about their favorite sports team, we must talk about what we treasure. We can't help but talk about the risen, crucified King. The nation's The people who've never heard the name of Jesus, the three billion people who've never heard of the name of Jesus needs a church that's unashamed. That'll send us to our knees praying for them. That'll give away our money that the gospel might go forth. That'll send even our lives, our families to the nations so that the nations can sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Michael Lawrence says this in his book, Conversion. The local church is God's evangelism plan for the world. The local church is the world's assurance that Jesus got up from the dead. Did you hear that? The local church is the world's assurance that Jesus got up from the dead. People can come here in the morning and say, they really believe this. This is not a possibility for them. This is their reality. The reality that they've rearranged all their lives around. Because their Savior came and lived and died and rose again. You know, a couple years ago, I walked into Starbucks downtown on a Sunday morning. Knew the barista really well, and she said to me as I walked in on Easter morning, What are you doing here? I thought today was your Super Bowl. I was like, well, that kind of makes sense, right? Super Bowl, Easter Sunday for Christians? Except for the fact that if we could pull back the curtain of heaven right now and peer into eternity, we would catch a glimpse of the multitudes from every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around nail-scarred hands, unashamed of His rich wounds, singing to the top of their lungs, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Trust me, if we could catch a glimpse today of glory, if we could catch a glimpse of the reality of the resurrection, if we could see and behold the glory of our risen King, I promise it would make, heaven would make the Super Bowl look like a little league football game. It would look like a joke. For all eternity, we won't, we won't be spending time thinking about the possibilities. We won't be playing what if. We will be spending all eternity rejoicing in the reality of the resurrection that Jesus is alive forever and we are forever alive in Him. Brothers and sisters, it is finished. We're no longer slaves. He is risen. We're no longer in the grave. Death's defeated. We are free indeed. Come and see Christ's fellowship. Jesus is alive. Let's pray together. Father, I long so much for us to grasp the reality of the resurrection. And Father, sometimes... It seems like words are are so hard to convey the risen King and Lord, but Lord, I pray by the power of Your Holy Spirit, O Lord, that we would by faith see Christ crucified in our place. Hanging on the cross in our place for our sins. Lord, that we will see that He was buried, but on the third day, He rose again. That, Lord, the tomb is empty. That Jesus is alive. And that right now, He is reigning at the right hand of God. His rich wounds in victory for all to see. And, Lord, I pray this morning that You would capture our hearts with the beauty of a risen Savior. That, Lord, it would cause our hearts to rejoice that Jesus is alive and Lord it would cause our life to be rearranged because Jesus is alive that day by day Lord we would remember and rest in Jesus That, that day by day we would run to see him and that day by day we would run to tell about him to others Lord that we would grasp the reality of the resurrection in such a way that we can say with the Apostle Paul, for I have been crucified with Christ. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Lord, you do that for the glory of your name and for the joy of everyone in this room. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.